0: Thank you, Reverend Young, and glad to see each one that's in God's house this morning. So important to have that as priority, and I know sometimes things happen that keep us from being able to do that. I actually want to also mention to you that I'm going to hurry out of here this morning. Uh, We've had that poster back on the bulletin board about Johnstown having a homecoming uh, uh, I don't know if it's homecoming or or a concert uh, but anyway uh, I'm going to head over to Johnstown and uh, so I'm gonna I'm going to leave pretty fast so I'm not mad at anybody love everybody uh, but if I don't hurry and get out of here I may not get a piece of uh, fried chicken or something uh, because they were going to have food before they have the sing. Uh, so, I wanted you to be aware of that. So, we've, uh, we have two scriptures listed this morning, and uh, both of them are, are pieces of passages that usually are used together. Uh, the I mean, more entirety of the scripture, not that these two are combined but that usually the, the verses that are, are taken here are not just plucked out the way I've done them. Uh, but uh, we have the first scripture is found in Luke chapter 6 and verse 46, and uh, a very familiar passage, uh, and the other one being over in chapter 19, uh, verses 11 to 14. So I've kind of jerked both of those passages out of their setting. Uh, not going to do a disservice to them, but uh, look at them in a, different, in a different manner this morning. So I ask you to stand together as we look at God's Word, if you're able to do that. So 646 of Luke says, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? And then looking over at Luke 19 and verse 11, the scripture says, And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable, because he was nigh to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. So you recognize the abruptness of my discontinued reading. And certainly pray that God will help us as we consider these verses together. Lord, we bow our heads in honor and in Humble reverence to you this morning, realizing that we are not able to do this delivery of a message to this people that uh, will have the words of God without the Holy Spirit helping us. I pray that you'll help us this morning. I pray, dear Lord, the Holy Spirit will speak to our hearts. May there be something said this morning that uh, will ignite a fire within our hearts, to be all that God wants us to be, that will encourage us, if we're already on that path, that will encourage us to continue on. Bless, we pray, in the continuation of this service, and thank you for your presence thus far. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated for the message. So the title of the message is, Does King Jesus Have Rule? And I think probably you know what prompted some of the, some of the foregoing thoughts before I settled on these scriptures, and that was that uh, Queen Elizabeth, after 96 years, Passed away. Queen Elizabeth II passed away. And yesterday there was a ceremony, and that ceremony was to recognize that now there's a a new monarch. Instead of queen, it's king, isn't it? It's King Charles, the third. And uh, King Charles there was an article in Saturday's paper, in Marysville paper, that uh, King Charles had dedicated himself uh, to serve the people. And uh, I read on Facebook, or not Facebook, but read on the computer, as I looked up uh, information on the, on the uh, system that England has, of their royalty, uh, that uh, Charles certainly had a lot of question marks, but now suddenly he is exactly the right person for this job. (laughs) After after years of devotion and dedication uh, to be the right person and and all this training, and mother of course lived to 96 years, so that his education could continue up till he's 73 years of age, and now he's ready to step into this leadership role. But as I as I read the comments on the computer, uh, what what I read there and what I already knew was that his powers are largely ceremonial. His powers are largely ceremonial. So uh, we uh, we know that there is a prime prime minister, and uh, you think of you think of such prime ministers as Winston Churchill. Oh, there's a name. That many people know and respect. And then we had, lately we had Boris uh, Yeltsin, uh, who always had messed up hair. Almost every time you saw him, it looked like looked like he took a blow dryer to his hair and and messed it all up. So he could have that was his shtick, as, as they call it. That was his identifying trait. Uh, and and so then. Uh, he left in a rather unpopular fashion of that leadership post and uh, now they have liz truss t-r-u-s-s who is the prime minister but we know that the power is uh, contained actually in the house of commons and the house of lords and that that's where decisions are made and then uh, certainly, if if uh, King Charles stepped up and said, uh, "I'm going to lead an army, and we're going to we're going to uh, go into certain area where there's trouble, and uh, we are going to we are going to show the force of uh, of Britain," uh, there wouldn't be too many people behind him, would there? Uh, wouldn't, wouldn't be too forceful. We wouldn't expect too much to happen. So, mostly ceremonial. So, we know Queen Elizabeth. Uh, I, I watched some of the documentary on channel six on the day she died. They had, they had, uh, they, they expect her to die and had a bunch of stuff ready. Isn't that amazing? Uh, that, that they expected that to happen. Uh, 96 I guess you'd kind of expect how long can this go well if you're Tim Butler maybe quite a few years longer but uh, anyway they had things ready to roll and uh, so I watched her as a little girl and watched her as she couldn't say her name and I of course I, that was before I had any realization of anything going on and uh, But then as she kind of grew into the job, and she was a pleasant lady and finally lost her ability, didn't she, to even put the crown on because it was too heavy and hurt her her neck. Uh, So she didn't wear the crown of England. But such is the monarchy of of England. And uh, so they will of course go on with their ceremonies and so forth and a lot of pageantry will be displayed Uh, so i began to think then you understand how sometimes the preacher's mind works because then i thought hmm i wonder if i wonder if jesus king jesus rule to a lot of people is just just pageantry just ceremonial Uh, not, not really, anything that is impactful uh, as far as the way we live our lives. Uh, we will, uh, we will show our respect and uh, and we love the stories about Jesus. But uh, as far as taking him too serious, we don't want to. We don't want to get too serious with this thing. At least that's the way many in our world. Look at Jesus. So he had that to contend with when he was alive, didn't he? Because I read the scripture. Jesus himself said, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And you do not do the things I say. So he was talking about not just recognizing his position, but obeying his word. And of course, that story that we didn't read all of talks about the tragedy of those who do not obey the word of Jesus—not just hear the word. And if you read that story in Luke chapter chapter six of what, where Jesus said those things, you know that he puts the emphasis on doing, doing, not just hearing. Not just saying the words, we can all say the words, can't we? And we, we know many of the, of the songs, we know a few scriptures, and maybe we know a lot of scriptures. But Jesus says that's not the important thing. The important thing is to do, to do what I say. And so Jesus called them out in his day that they called him, but they were not doing what he said. And then uh, there there was this story that I read to you out of Luke chapter 19. And the one verse that really I'm emphasizing is verse 14. Uh, There's a follow-up verse to that in verse 27 that I didn't choose to read, but it tells you the end result. But here in verse 14, uh, when this certain nobleman went into a far country to receive a kingdom, receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So it was the custom, it it was the rule actually, that when somebody was going to receive a decree from Rome that they were going to be in in leadership, that they were going to be a ruler, that they had to go to Rome if they were going to receive that that recognition and that authority. They had to go to Rome. And so uh, this, this man that Jesus is talking about goes to a far country. Well, Rome from Israel would be a far country. It would be a long ways off. It would take a while to go there and come come again. So, as Jesus is telling this story, it matches up with something that actually happened. And these people that uh, were... Informed would remember that this took place. And so there, there are these that are against this one receiving this authority. And so uh, they're saying as he goes we will not have this man to rule over us. <laughs> are, are there any people in our world today that are saying they're not going to have Jesus rule over them I hope In our hearts, we never say that to Him. But we can have what's called self-will or carnality that refuses and rejects the will of God. And we say we're going to do it our way, and it's going to be on our terms. And so whatever Jesus says is... Not of primary importance. It's what we want. It's what we want. And so we're going we're to do it regardless of what he says. We're going to do it the way we want. We should never be that way. We should always pray as Jesus prayed to the Father. Not my will but yours be done. You have your way in my life. Well... These people did not want this person to be their ruler. Now, we are told in history that uh, there was a man by the name of Herod the Great. Herod the Great ruled a long time, started many building projects, and was actually not a full Jew, but was part Jew, and part Edomite, and uh, he was he was appointed by Rome to be over over Judea. When Herod the Great died, m- amazingly, there were three sons that survived him because he was kind of hard on his relatives. He killed several of them. But these three sons survived him. One of the sons that survived him was Archelaus. Do you remember that name, Archelaus? If you remember the Christmas story, you remember the name of Archelaus. In Matthew chapter 2 and verse 22, when... Joseph came back from Egypt with the young family that they had fled to Egypt, remember? Because of the threat against Jesus' life, the wise men had come and, and there was going to be a mass killing of all the young children, the young males, and God told Joseph to take Jesus and Mary and leave the area and they went to egypt by night they went by night the way some people you know when the rent comes due Uh, you get out at night before the next day when you have to pay the rent and uh, but he wasn't leaving because of the rent he was becoming because jesus life was in danger so went to egypt and stayed there and came back and when he came back Herod had died, but this Archelaus was now the ruler, and he was called an ethnarch, which meant he was over an ethnic group, which were the Jews. Uh, He had two brothers, as I said, that were also put in charge, but one of them had the area around Galilee. He had the name of Herod also. And one of them further north of Galilee. And he also had the name of Herod with another name attached. So when you read the scripture, you still read about Herod. But Herod the great was was dead. And I'm not giving you their names because it's too much information, right? Uh, Too much information. So I'm just scanning it for you a little bit. So here's this Archelaus. And the Jews did not want him to be their ruler and the Jews actually did send a delegation after him to Rome and pleaded with Rome not to put him in charge and after he was put in charge his rule only lasted for two years but he was brutal Uh, he could not he could not rule effectively it was ineffective rulership and He was more brutal than Herod the Great, his father. And so the Jews kept sending delegations to Rome to complain about him, to get him out of there. Finally, we read about Archelaus when Joseph came back from Egypt. And, of course, we have a denomination that can be thankful that Archelaus was reigning, right? Because when he realized he couldn't go back to where Archelaus was, he turned aside and went to Nazareth and he was called a Church of Christ in Christian Union. That's not right, is it? He was called a Nazarene. He was called a Nazarene. So, uh, the scripture tells us then that Archelaus was soon removed and that's when they set up governors uh over that area the same did not happen with the other two boys whose first name was herod Uh, but with archelaus he was removed and they set up governors and the fifth governor was got any good guesses pontius pilate he was the fifth governor so we don't i can't tell you who the other four were and don't really care And so this story that is told by Jesus actually fits what went on with these people of this area did sin and said, we do not want this man to rule over us. And so he was recalled. But as I said today, there are people that do not want Jesus to rule over them. And uh, they protest in various ways that they do not want Jesus to rule over them. They do not want Jesus' commandments. They do not want the commandments that were given in Scripture to be a part of their life. They go in every direction they can go to avoid that. And the Scripture tells us that... uh, Those are commandments that have been given. They're not suggestions. And so uh, we are told that there are those that are so-called atheists that are atheists because they would rather not have any divine guidance in their lives. They, They want to follow their own sensual desires. And they don't want to think about having to answer to the divine about anything that they do in their lives. So it's better off just to say, there isn't any God. (laughs) Uh, Jesus never existed. None of these things apply to me. But we know that Jesus is king by divine decree. He's the king by divine decree. And... So whatever men say, whatever whatever men would desire, does not overrule the will of God. So we, we read in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 14 about one like the Son of Man, and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. So it has been orchestrated. It has been, it has been set up by God. And so uh, we read, when we talk about the birth of Jesus, we read also a lot of times in Isaiah 9-7 of the increase of his government and peace. There shall be no end upon the throne of David. So here we have a king that is coming to sit on the throne of David. David, the great ruler of the people of Israel, who conquered all their enemies around them, you realize that when David turned the kingdom over to Solomon, when age finally took a toll on David and death was near, that David had conquered all the enemies about him, unlike any other king that Israel had had. Uh, There was nobody that could stand against David. Uh, There was a time... When David became the king, when he was anointed by the people of Judah to be their king, that he wanted to take Jerusalem. And it was held by the Jebusites. And they said, nobody can take this city. Nobody is able to take this city. they made fun uh, of any attempt to try to take the city. Like, uh, you might as well send the blind and the lame, because it's going to be ineffective. Any, any, any battle you launch against us, and you think about Jerusalem, it, it was well fortified naturally, being on the hill and having natural rock formations and so forth and so they mocked they said nobody's coming in here david's not coming in here but folks david did go in there and david did take the city and david set his throne in lower jerusalem that was where he built the citadel citadel of david And that was where he ruled and reigned from, where they said he could not, he could not conquer, he could not come in, but he did. So, he is the son of David, David the conqueror, David the great king. He says, upon the throne of David, upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. (coughs) So we have by divine decree that Jesus is to be the king, Jesus is to have the rule, and Jesus will reign. Until the Son over all that Jesus rules and beyond all that in, throughout the universe will be His. Uh, Jeremiah says in 23, 5, Behold the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch. And a king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. And you know that the records that were kept of genealogies were all preserved until the birth of Jesus. After Jesus had lived and died, all those records were destroyed and when I say lived and died and rose from the grave, ascended back to the Father, all those records were destroyed that showed the family and the genealogy. So when you read in your Bible, in the book of Matthew and the book of Luke, all the family names that show that Jesus is the son of David, all those records were destroyed when Titus came in and destroyed Jerusalem. Those are no longer in existence. But God kept them there to prove that Jesus is the son of David, twice over the son of David, through his mother and through his, what we would call his stepfather, Joseph, who was his legal father. And so, God kept those records to prove who Jesus is. And so, the Bible tells us that God so ordained that, God so ordered that, that Jesus would be the king. And what puny man there is that would try to resist the power of God is certainly on a losing mission because God's will shall be accomplished, and Jesus is king. The Bible tells us that when Jesus was on earth, he was recognized. Uh, If you look at John chapter 1 and verse 49, remember Nathanael, that Jesus came, and Nathanael was sitting there under a tree, and Jesus said, uh, I saw you before he ever met Nathanael. And Nathanael said to him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. Remember when Jesus was on trial in John eighteen thirty-seven, Pilate said to him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I'm a king. To this end was I born. For this cause came I into into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. So yes, he is a king. And yes, he does reign. He is reigning today in the hearts and lives of people who obey Him and who follow Him. And someday, the scripture tells us that we're coming to a time when He will be crowned before all the world as to who He is, that He is not just a king of a small following, but He is the king of all the world. And so we read about that, and I'll read that in a little bit. And you've read it many times, no doubt, in the book of Revelation. So if we obey Jesus, we can be part of his kingdom. Um, The Bible tells us that to be part of this kingdom, we have to be born into it. That, uh, That if we want to be part of this kingdom... Uh, we have to come and get a new birth, get a spiritual birth. Uh, Jesus taught Nicodemus that that he needed a heavenly birth. Uh, the scripture tells us in the book of Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 28, Wherefore we receiving, we are receiving, a kingdom which cannot be moved. So we are part of that, folks. We are receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. And so Jesus said, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say. The Hebrew writer says, we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. And his reference is to the great quaking of the earth that took place when the commandments were given on Sinai. He says, this kingdom we're receiving cannot be moved by an earthquake or any natural force. This is something that's ordained of God, and we're part of it. Jesus said that we need to do what he says if we want to acknowledge him, not just in name, not just in ceremony. If we want to acknowledge him as king, then we have to do what he says. He said that after he had taught many things in the Sermon on the Mount. In the Sermon on the Mount, and we could make this service go a long time, couldn't we? If we started going into that. I'm not going to do that. But he's referencing those things when he says that. And he talks about forgiving. That we need to forgive one another. And sometimes that's a hard thing to do. Sometimes we want to say we forgive, but we don't really forgive. Sometimes uh, we want to absence ourselves from other people because we haven't really down deep forgiven them. And I understand that sometimes there's personality conflicts and differences, but we need to be forgiving. And we need to be kind and we need to be loving. The scripture tells us husbands love your wives. That's a command. It doesn't say if you feel like it. It doesn't say when she's doing pretty good, when she's made your favorite dish. That's a command. You see, emotional love you can't command because how we feel Cannot be controlled by just an outside force. But this is this is a volitional, a, a love of the will to say, I choose to love you. I choose to respect you. I, I, re- I choose to honor you. That's my choice. And even sometimes when Wives have difficulties with some of the things that husbands do. And we're told that women are to respect their husbands. It is, it is a volitional thing to say, God wants this. And so whether I feel like it or not, I'm going to put myself in that position to show respect I'm going to do what the Bible says. I'm going to love my spouse. I'm going to be obedient, and God can help you to do it. Uh, you know, when Ruth Graham was asked, and you probably heard this, if she ever, if she ever thought about divorcing Billy Graham, uh, she said, "Divorce, no. Murder, yes." Uh, so. Uh, there's times, you know, when things get pretty emotional, pretty supercharged, and perhaps difference of opinion, perhaps uh, a different way of doing things, and uh, we just have to remember that the Bible commands us to love and get away, ask God for his help and for his grace, for his love. Yes. Jesus talked about forgiveness. Um, Jesus talked about not being supercritical, didn't he? Hypercritical is a word. Where you look at somebody and you see the, you see the speck that's in their eye. But he said... You, when you're looking for that, you've got a piece of wood as big as cut timber in your eye. And you're looking for a little flaw and a little fault in somebody else's eye. And there are people like that in the church that are hypercritical. They look for any flaw. They look for any imperfection. They look for anything that they can tag as unacceptable in somebody else's life. Uh, we never know how we look to other people, you know. We don't. Uh, the old the old English rhyme was, Oh, some, oh, some power the gifty give us to see ourselves as others see us. Uh, I remember when I was in Sunday school class one morning, and, <clears throat> Josiah, I'm sure, I remember this. I know Tom will, Reverend Young. They said, You got something hanging out of your nose, preacher. <laughs> and so it was. <laughs> Some piece of tissue or something that it hooked on. Something I didn't know was there. And I was sitting there all dignified in Sunday school trying to take part, and there it was a spectacle. Well, We just don't know, do we? Uh, I thank the Lord when I have friends that will let me know that something's not right. But at the same time, that's different than going around trying to find fault, trying to find imperfection. We can find it very easily. Jesus told us to judge not and that was the manner of judgment he was talking about when we're being hypercritical and we're trying to pull somebody else down. Yes, many things that were taught of Jesus on the Sermon in the Mount and those things that some of them are not easy for us to follow. But we have to be humble and willing to do it. He taught us, to be people of humility. He taught us to be people people who obey His commandments and His will. And so, yeah, a lot of things that Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount that we need to incorporate in our lives, not because they will save us, but because we are saved because we are Christians and because we want to be like our master. And so we're part of that heavenly kingdom. We're part part of that which is going to be more later than what it is right now, but it's going to be more later, and it's going to go on forever and ever. And so we read in Revelation 17, 14, The Bible says concerning Jesus, These shall make war with the Lamb. And that's King Jesus. And Lamb is a reference to his humility and to his sacrificial. Place in God's redemption, that as a lamb he was slain, and the lamb shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and king of kings, and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. (coughs) Are you saved this morning? Then you were called, weren't you? Are you chosen if you are complying with the commands of the Lord? The scripture says that if we purge ourselves of these things, we'll be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use. (coughs) So we're called and we're chosen as we follow him. And the last one is faithful. And all of us can be faithful if we comply with being called and saying yes, being chosen, coming into conformity with the will of God, and remain faithful. And it doesn't matter. You know, the scripture tells us that when Jesus was talking to John about what he had for John to do, uh, Peter uh, was looking over his shoulder, wasn't he? He was saying, what, what about John? You told me what to do. What about John? What about John? <laughs> what, what about John? Jesus said, do what I tell you. And what's it to you? If I don't tell you the whole verse there, it's what the way we talk today. What's it to you? Of course, it was... What I'll have for him, if I will. And you can read that for yourself. What's it to you? Folks, we shouldn't be looking over our shoulder see see who's, who's coming with us. We should be keeping our eyes on Jesus, shouldn't we? We should be following the Lord. And so, also in chapter 19 of Revelation, looking at verse 11 here. And following verses, and I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white vol- horse. Is this literal? Is this really a white horse that Jesus is riding on? You know, Thunder wanted to be that horse. He wanted me to spray paint him white because he was brown. I don't I don't know that it's going to be a real horse, but it shows a conquering hero that's coming. It shows an overcomer. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful, and it's capital F, and True, and it's capital T. In righteousness he that judge and make war. Who is Faithful and True? Jesus is, Faithful and True, and he wants us to be Faithful and True. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. We sing that song, don't we? Crown Him with many crowns, the Lamb upon His throne. And He had a name written and no, that no man knew but He Himself. What does that say? No one can fully know God except God. Because He is so endless in who He is. And He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the capital W, Word of God. Remember what John says in the first chapter of his gospel? The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture, and on his thigh a name written, King of kings, and Lord of lords. Folks, he's the king, and he demands that we follow him, that we be obedient to him. Whatever else we do, let's don't fail in that expectation that God has for us to follow Jesus. Will you stand with me this morning?